When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My dad told me when it comes to football in Texas, there's only one team they played down in Austin. Saturdays in the fall at Darrell K. Royal, a hundred thousand strong. And as I grew, so did my pride for the There it is, a big part of uh, Friday night and the festivities, Django Walker. Go Walker with his uh, classic song about the Texas Longhorns. He roots for heavily. Of course, uh, Django, you'll see him out here at the golf course here, Rod, quite a bit. Nice. Back in the day. He's not here as much anymore. He lives in Nashville now, but uh, uh, Django's a big golfer. One of the nicer people you'll ever be around. Django Walker. Good to know his celebrities are good people. Yeah. Of course, his father, Jerry Jeff Walker, and... Uh, Legendary family, and that was cool. That was part of that uh, scene on on Friday night, which you know we talked about it to start the show run, and we talked about it all morning. That uh, people have been to a lot of games at that stadium over a lot of years, all uh, agreeing that that was the best environment, best game, best experience they've had at a Texas football game. Mm-hmm. We had somebody text us and say, "Look, guys, I've been going to that game since I was a student. Took my 14-year-old daughter." to the game and as we were leaving I said that's the best environment you just experienced the best environment we've ever had at Texas so again props to the Longhorns because the team backed it up but then props to CDC and Drew Martin and Stadium Ops at DKR because it's a it's a, it's a celebration of Texas football from mm-hmm. from the the concerts the head of the show the Bevo Boulevard the player walk uh, everything we've been a part of and it really is you know it was the vision for Sark to build a team that can win championships and it was the vision for CDC and his team to, to build that game day environment. And I think it all came together uh, on Friday night. Yeah, I mean, it helps your team is really good. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, Texas team is really good. So I think that's where it all starts in terms of the fan support and why the fans are so hype and optimistic. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that, that was unique, right? You had senior night, so there's an emotional charge there. There's the trash talk from Texas Tech and Brett Yarmark in the offseason and, and, and last season after they beat Texas. So you got bulletin board material there as well. It's a night game, last game for Texas. Texas is really good, as I pointed out. So the, the, the game, even before it started, had an emotional charge to it. What I was surprised was that – the the team and the environment kind of kept that emotional charge heightened throughout the game. And I think it was on its way to falling off a little bit at the end of the third quarter because Texas had blown them out and then everybody looked like <clears throat> they were getting a little bit bored. It's in the stands. And then Arch Manning came out. And then it lit, it lit the, the, the crowd up again. I think if Malik goes out there – Malik just definitely doesn't get that type of ovation. No, everybody's <laughs> waiting to see Archman. Yeah, everybody's seen Malik already. So Malik went out there and they like, ah, I'm all right, we're going. You know, we're up, we're up by 40-some points. Exactly. No, I also people started texting people like, hey, I know you said you was just going to leave, and I know you may be on your way out, but if you haven't left the stadium, Arch is in. And people started walking back. Yeah, of course. Like, I got to go see Arch, man. I ain't seen the Arch debut. yet. Yeah. So I think, and that was probably one of the loudest ovations that we had heard all night. And there were plenty of reasons to be on your feet. So I think that also helped people stay for the entire fourth quarter because they wanted to see this young buck, and he looked great. Sure. We can talk about that. Yeah, were- and also, 
all three phases scored touchdowns. So there were plays being made constantly is why the energy level stayed high. Special teams, offense, defense, there were all these big plays that kept happening, so you never had a lull in the emotional energy for the crowd. No, it was, it was everything that they wanted it to be. Because I know a lot of people uh, you know, on shows I was a part of that were like, why are we doing this Bevo Boulevard and all this stuff when they're no good? Like, yeah. go to a good football team, no. then do that. Uh, there were a lot of Longhorns that felt I that way. That. Uh, why are they you know, putting these lockers in? And why are they doing – the idea was – I don't want to say it culminated, but it felt like Friday night was that celebration. Okay, we now have a team. Uh, we have – I mean, you and I have been here a long time, right? You played there. there you know, the Texas game day atmosphere has a lot of times been criticized as the wine and cheese crowd. Yep. And not very loud. It's not intimidating. Their tailgate's not much fun. That's just credit to all the, uh, you know, everybody that's a part of that because it was a really good night. It and, was a great uh, night. You know, if you got down there early, you know, 2, 3 o'clock to see, you know, Bob Schneider and then go to the game. The game was great. The, the, the electricity, and you're right, the game itself delivered a lot of, uh, a lot of reasons to get excited. Yes, it did. And amped up. Uh, but, you know, because several people we had said it was more, more electric than even the Alabama game, which that was 11 o'clock in the morning. But still, that game was so important. This game was a blowout. But yeah. it was still the energy level, which tells me they're celebrating Texas football. It mm-hmm. wasn't about the opponent. It wasn't about the game. It was about this team, the program, where they're at. Best program in 15 years. We were Sark about uh, playing for championships. That was the goal when they got here, and now they get a chance to play for one on Saturday uh, as a heavy favorite over Oklahoma State. Here's Sark after the game. I think it's very gratifying. You know, we came here, um, you know, and I accepted this job. I didn't – and I've, I've told you the guys this before, but I, but I think this is important. I, I, didn't, I didn't accept this job just to be a head coach again. You know, I, I felt like at that, that point in my career I knew I would be one again. But I took this job um, because I felt like we could be champions here and we could win championships um, year after year and, and whatever that would look like, but at least put ourselves in position to do that. And obviously the, the road was, was, was hard and it was long. Um, that year, first year was very difficult. Um, last year we played some good football. We had some ups and downs, and we got into this night last year coming out beating Baylor, but we – we put our destiny in somebody else's hands, and, and it didn't happen. We didn't get into the Big 12 championship game last year because of our own doing earlier in the season. And this year, uh, this whole idea that, you know, we wanted to leave no doubt, and, and we, wanted to, we wanted to control our own destiny. Um, and naturally, when, when we stubbed our toe early in October, I, I, I told you guys and I told the team, the first thing I put up every Monday morning for about the next week's game, this is a Big 12 championship game. And, and we had to go one week at a time. We couldn't, we couldn't afford to stub our toe again. We couldn't afford to stub our toe tonight. I mean, it, it took us all the way until the end. Um, and so now, I, as I told the team Monday morning when I put it up, this is a Big 12 championship, championship game. Now it actually is. Now we're, now we're finally here. And so um, to, to be 11-1 and one, uh, at a place, place like this, this is, this is kind of where I felt like we should be, you know, and – I recognize at the University of Texas there's high expectations and there's a high standard um, of what excellence looks like. But our internal expectations, my internal expectations, are that and probably above. Um, and and that's, that's what we came here to do. And now we've put ourselves in position to go do it. And, and like I said, it, it feels great. It's wonderful. Um, but the work's not done. 
Mm. All right. That's, that would be my answer to the texter who said, what's going to motivate Texas this week, which, of course, they were motivated by the trash talk of Texas Tech, motivated by the trash talk of Iowa State, and they you know, put a chip on their shoulder. I think you just heard it. That's the chip on the shoulder. The job's not done. The, they all, mm. the goal's been a championship, and you don't get a championship for getting there. Look, remember TCU mm-hmm. was there 12-0 and last year and didn't win, the, didn't win the trophy. They didn't win any championship. They, they still got to play for the national championship. Play for the Big 12 title and didn't win them. Uh, but, yeah, Sonny Dykes had a year for the ages, and they didn't get a trophy. They didn't get a championship. <laughs> nope. That's crazy. Nope. Uh, and that's what this is about. And, look, Texas doesn't know what the future will hold for them the next day when they announce the Final Four, but all you can do is go handle your business. And if they do, I think this is an opponent that they, can, they match up very well with. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, um, you know, Sarka, I love, you know, behind the scenes we played the audio of Corey Mose uh, getting the players' uh, reactions to Tory Beckton, the – Strength and conditioning coach playing the Brett Yarmark comments in the in the in the weight room over and over again on a loop. So the guys obviously have it ingrained in their head that we got to go out there uh, and we got to you know get some revenge, right? Um, Sark broke down the team because Dave Barron had his like phone and recorded it. I don't know if Sark wanted it or not, but he did. Uh, F around and find out. Oh yeah, well they, that was that's so why he broke down the well, team. Well, there were witnesses. So F around and find out, and Texas Tech they upped around and they found out. So did Iowa State. Well, and there were people who spied some players wearing F-A-F-O T-shirts mm-hmm. under their pads, like yeah. F-A-F-O. Yeah. Which, you know. I, no, you got to let the team oh. be themselves. This is my problem with Mac, and I love Mac. Mac was a Hall of Fame coach. Mac didn't do that until V.Y. got here. Yeah. And then V.Y. forced Mac to let go, all right, and allow the team to police and regulate itself and allow that team to express themselves in their own way. When Mac first got here, he was such a control freak. No braids. I don't want facial hair. No earrings. It's like, Mac. Except for Ricky. He got to keep the hair. Exactly. You know why he changed it? Said B. Yeah. He changed it because Said B came in and was like, I'm not cutting my braids. So, like, you want me? D-Dre's coming. And Mac's like, yeah, you know what, guys? We're going to let y'all have your hair the way you want it. And we're like, oh, really, Mac? Are we really going to let us have it? Or it's because Said B's coming in here. So, Mac was such a – he wanted to control everything. And I think he learned later on, your team's only going to be at their best when you let them express themselves in their way. We had – he had a model. Mac had a model every year. Every coach does, right? Had a model every year. And the, the seniors and, like, the, the, the leadership council got a chance to pick the model. We would give him a lot of options, and then Mac would make the final call. My, fi- my, my last year in 02, we wanted the model to be fit, effort, like effort, like everything, all right? All we care about is winning, all right? That was kind of our, that's our inside monitoring theme. And Mac was like, no, no, no. He went with wit, whatever it takes, all right? So the fit. <laughs> we don't give a – my, my point was this. Mac, it shouldn't matter what the rest of the world thinks about our saying. It's our theme. Who gives a – it's Costa Nostra. It's our thing. It ain't got nothing to do with them. But Mac was worried about what the perception was of it. And I think he, his teams were hurt by that. That's why also why Mac struggled in big games early on too because he wouldn't let his team be themselves and express themselves. So his teams were tight in big games. We know when Mac got loose, his teams got loose in big games. Huh. What do you know about that? Yeah. That's my big thing. That's why, Sark, do your damn thing, Sark. F around and find out. Your team's mantra, your team's messages are for your team. Ain't got nothing to do with nobody else. And I think Mac learned that late. I think you're right about that. And uh, Sark has this team on the precipice of a championship. And, yeah, F-A-F-O. Exactly. F-A-F-O. Who cares if anybody else knows what it means? <laughs> Who give a damn about y'all? We're about to win these games, baby. Uh, Come on. I love that. Yeah, me Loved too. It. Me too. Good stuff. We'll play some more uh, Sark, and we'll hear more coming up. So, uh, Rod will take us behind the burn orange curtain one more time and break down the 57-7 to thrashing in the final ever meeting. And that's the cool part. We had somebody text us this. You know, the Longhorns have a chance. Because they're going to keep playing OU when they get to the SEC. Yeah. But the teams that uh, to have this year, this year, to, to send off all of your old rivals with a loss, 
like your last matchup. Yeah, you see Oklahoma again. <laughs> You'll see Oklahoma again. You'll see Oklahoma you. again. That's good. Yeah. But but you, you know, by Tech. Mm-hmm. By Iowa State. K State. By K State. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, now, like and now you weren't going to get a chance to say by Oklahoma State. Now you can. Baylor. Baylor by. Whip by. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like Houston, that. all of it. I mean, just just get your final. That's how that ends, and we're not playing you anymore. So we have ownership on bragging rights, and now you weren't going to get a chance, and now you get to give one to Mike Gundy. Say thanks, Mike. Thanks yeah. for the memories. I, trust me, and I I think this might be Mike Gundy's most impressive coaching job of his career. Though I mean, he's done some really impressive coaching jobs there at Oklahoma State. I don't know if anybody could have done what he's done at Oklahoma State. I just don't. It, it, you know, what I mean, it's such a specific you know community and football culture. Uh, with, uh, you had your sugar daddy there forever in T-Bone, now he's gone. I just don't know if anybody can have the success he's having there. But that aside, I've just seen him time after time, year after year, do way more with less. This team, there's no way anybody saw them in the Big 12 title game. As a matter of fact, after they lost to, was it South Alabama? Yep. They ended up, I think we were, we were out discussing. Of the, out of the fun belt, baby. Yeah, we were discussing on this show, like, all right, so who's Oklahoma State going to hire when they fire Gundy? It's, like it's about that time. Well, remember, and who said that we played the audio? They <laughs> lost 34 to 3 in that game. Yeah, I got whipped. And we were, Mike Gundy, we were, he, he was telling the media, like, oh, no, we're good. He was confident. I, I watched the film. He's confident. Like, and essentially what September was were tryouts. Like he almost had a preseason. He did. He wrote, He played all three quarterbacks <laughs> for three straight games. Yeah, he did that a lot, of, a lot of positions. He was yeah. trying to have guys earn positions. <laughs> he sacrificed wins to yeah. make sure he got the right guys on the field. And now he's playing for a championship. The guy's a hell of a coach. Uh, and then he realized, okay, Alan Bowman's our quarterback, and we just need to give the ball to Ollie Gordon, and we're going to be okay. He's a hell of a coach. And uh, here they are. Yeah. He is. And, and not just for this year, but for you know for the, the con- consistent con- success that he's had yep. in a tough place to win. But this is one of his least talented teams. It is. I will say that and I, as a Gundy fan. That's why it's such a remarkable coaching job. Because one of his least talented teams, this team had no business in the Big 12 title game, but he got him there all, I think, just well, a lot of great development. He found a way to beat K-State strategy. on a Friday night, if you remember yeah. that. Then he found a way to beat Oklahoma in the Bedlam game. I mean, those were the swing games for them. The Iowa State game was a swing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here they are playing the but, Longhorns. But you saw versus UCF, and you saw the first oh. half versus BYU, and oh. you go, hold up, this team beat Oklahoma? This team? What? Uh, yeah. They're awful. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so that's there. We also, hey, speaking of the Sun Belt, can we say congratulations to Texas State and uh, G.J. Kinney? G.J. Kinney. Seven and five. Uh, they finished off their season. Of course, they were already bowl eligible, got the win Saturday. So they're seven and five, uh, high water mark for that program. Now they'll wait like everybody and find out what bowl they're going to go to because Texas State will be bowling. Also, Texas A&M has hired Mike Elko to be their new head coach. That is a done deal. Happened overnight. Uh, we told you the, the cluster F that it was over the weekend where it appeared. By all accounts, they hired Mark Stoops hmm. to be their head coach. And uh, so much so that he told people, yeah, I'm going, and got on an airplane. And then was told, turn that's, it around. That's ugly, man. Can't do it, coach. How's that happen? Denied. And because uh, somebody asked, it was Chan that texted us and said, hey, didn't that happen to Mark Stoops now twice? No, it was, remember, when Sark got here, he hired Mike Stoops. Mike Stoops. He hired Mike Stoops. Mm-hmm. It was a Stoops. And the same thing <laughs> kind of happened, but on a much lesser level because he was going to be a linebacker's coach or yeah. something, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like – you know, word got out in Longhorn Nation that they hired a Stoops. And it was like, oh, no, we didn't. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. Tail wagging the dog yeah. on that one, man. And Sark, you know, I give you, like, this is when I first started, you know, gave Sark credit for kind of being able to read the room pretty quickly and pick your mm-hmm. battles, which yeah, is exactly. important when you're, when you're a leader. And he's like, oh, okay, I, I get it. I get it. I didn't know people would be this, feel this strongly about it. <laughs> Let's hire Jeff Choate. <laughs> I mean, the, the Twitter's verse lit up. Oh, my gosh. With just vitriol and hatred. Well, then, that Sark, then Sark understood pretty quickly. Yeah, he's like, oh, but, this, this place is different, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, different. yeah. And they, they don't like the name Stoops of any kind. <laughs> we're hiring him? No, we're not. And so it didn't happen. And, yeah, my, Mike, same thing happened. Mike Stoops had to, told people in Alabama he was taking this job. Mm. 
and he was going to be the linebackers coach. And, yes. and Sark was, no, nah, no, nah, let's let's bring in Jeff Choate. Um, you know, hey, good move, good move. Jeff Choate's in a, in a good move. He's and, actually been but, considered for other jobs. But if you're the, if you're Ross Bjork, how do you not know this? You're out of touch with your board. You're out of touch with the decision makers. That mean that's what that means. Because you shouldn't if, – if you didn't have the okay and you didn't have the approval of the decision makers, whoever they are there, boosters, donors, the board, whatever, then there's no way you should have went that deep into this, right, in, into this candidate. You should, you should have maybe, you know, inquired about it, did your due diligence. But you, if you allegedly flew him in yeah, <laughs> and both of y'all agreed on it without the approval of the decision makers and then you came in there and, and dropped that candidate on him and they said no. You got to go back and tell him no. Well, that then that's you know that I, is, I think Ross Bjork in a lot of ways has done a good job there oof, because he didn't he didn't give Jimbo the contract extension. That was Scott Woodward, but at the same time that's that's real bad. That is bad. I mean that's a because that was everywhere and you know Mark Stoops had to go back to Lexington and with his tail between his legs and say uh, you want me back. And yeah, of course now the Elko thing feels like you're settling. Well, or he was told okay we gave you a chance we're taking over and we're bringing in Mike Elko. Uh, and yeah, you, you mean you didn't get your because Dabo Swinney was a name, the name even Bruce Feldman floated the name Ryan Day. We yeah, talked about that last week because they never had a lit wish list. They did. I mean, they wanted to talk to Dan Lanning. They wanted to talk to, to you know Dabo. I was told very early uh, from someone who would know the, the, the big money folks. That's who they wanted. They wanted Dabo. They, they, well, they wanted Dabo to say no because they just felt it would be a really good fit culturally mm-hmm. and with the school and what he's about. But okay. you know. And people said, well, he's not an NIL guy. Well, Boy, they, they got NIL money. You can become an NIL guy when you got that kind of war chest well, that yeah. they have. And, he, and you can hire, like, basically a, a, a general manager these days sure. to do that. Basically do your, be your, do your NIL well, stuff. One of the reasons I think that the Dabo's against NIL, you know, traditionalist, kind of like Mac Brown, but at the same time he, he doesn't have the war chest. No sugar daddies? Yeah. Not no sugar daddies. Yeah. I mean, Clemson doesn't have a war chest like Georgia does and Texas does and some of the others. So you know you're under man. At A&M, you'd have the war chest yeah, to be able to, to go in. And, lots of sugar daddies. But either way, um, you know, so the, I, I'm assuming when Dabo said no and Ryan Day said no, you get to Mark Stoops. Seems like a good coach. No, he's done more with less. But at the same time, you can't get it that wrong if you're the athletic director. Yeah. They're reading the room of your, of your group. Agreed. Yeah, that's, that just means you're out of touch with that group. Yeah. and. If you're out of touch with that group, those are the guys deciding your future. <laughs> you're thinking well, you remember, really when, in touch with that group. When your coach, Mac Brown, was hired, Texas you know, did a full search. <laughs> um, you know, I always said this is how you should search for a coach, right? They, they vetted a lot of people, and then they had two candidates that it came down to, Mac Brown and Gary Barnett. <laughs> and if you remember, it was the, uh, the, the Lost Dodds plane flew to Chicago to interview Gary Barnett, who was doing a great job at Northwestern at that time. And there was a group from the watch from the, from the search committee that went to Chicago. Daryl Royal got on a plane and flew to Atlanta to meet with Mac Brown. Mm-hmm. And DeLoss left Chicago thinking they were going to hire Gary Barnett. And, you know, D- Daryl Royal called, no, 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 we got our guy. He's the guy. We got our guy. Mm-hmm. And then there was a consensus. But they didn't put the guy on a plane. No. <laughs> because, you know, what? Unless it's already it's, been approved. Because really, confirmed. I mean, DeLoss, would, DeLoss has confirmed this. He really felt that Gary Barnett was a really good candidate, and he had the interview. And I was like, okay, this could be our guy. The other group said, no, 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 this is, this is a better fit. And it was. Uh, but th- that didn't happen and with Elko, the Aggies. Elko is a better fit. It is. He's a better fit. But, uh, but so then why did Ross Bjork try to hire Mark Stoops? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't get it, yeah. And you're right, that, that just shows you, you know, Mac always talked about in DKR, the late great DKR, we talk about the BBs in the box. Seems like here at Texas the BBs are in the box. Yep. At A&M, I'll admit, doesn't seem like all the BBs are in the box. Seems like they're a bit disjointed um, with the leadership. And this, by the way, Texas, we've been there. <laughs> Texas had uh, disjointed leadership for, I don't know, 
10 of the 15, uh, 10 of the last 15 years. Then CDC comes in, changes all that, and then now it looks like with Kevin L. Tithe and with Jay Hart, so it looks like they finally got the BBs in the back and everything. Well, unanimity right. on the vision and where to go. A lot has happened since CDC got here and at the end. And you also give Mike Perrin credit for that, too, because he righted this ship to, to make it stable so that uh, CDC could come in and uh, – you know, Moody Center, I mean, to have that basketball arena now, the, the facilities are pretty much done as far as the major sports. they still got work to do, but uh, it's all heading in a good direction. Aggies, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll it doesn't see. take long when you hire the right guy, though. It, it, it doesn't take long when you hire the right guy. We, we've seen that over and over again with college football, the NFL. Hire the right guy. It won't take as long as you think. I mean, Texas, people thought Texas. You lost to Kansas. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, your first year, and then now look where they are. So it doesn't take long. Well, and, how the right guy, though. That's remember, the key. we told you this. A&M sees their program right now in the, in the locker room. Like, when, when Sark got here, you know, the, there was a reason Herman was fired, and there was going to be they, – they needed a roster improvement. And it was a different kind of team. Like Sark has talked about, he, his philosophy on players the is humans and different than Tom Herman. So yeah. it was going to be an overhaul of the roster. Tom Herman likes small humans. Yeah. Except at receiver. Where you like big humans big at receiver, small ones at O-line. Yeah. Sark likes small, fast receivers yeah, com- and big humans on O-line. Completely opposite people <laughs> and completely opposite philosophies on, on how to build and a roster. relationships, yeah. too. Yeah. And so, but so Sark was going to have to turn over the roster. In the A&M case, this is why Elko seems like a good fit. He knows the roster, and mm-hmm. the people. there's a lot of really good players there. Tough, it, it was about defense, the culture, yeah. and it was about the offense and about developing players. Uh, Mike Elko has shown an ability to do that, and he recruited a lot of that roster uh, before he left to go to Duke for two years. So there's familiarity. They like him. Uh, but by all accounts, the defensive players love Mike Elko. So they'll yeah. walk in and own that group. Yeah. And then, it's, as you said, his job mm. success will be predicated on what offensive coordinator he hires. Yep. If he picks the right OC, then we could be cooking with gasoline. If yeah. not, mm, this thing could go off the rails well, badly. Well, remember when Sonny Dykes came in, right? Sonny came in, and he hired Garrett Riley. Smart move. And, you know, gave him the reins of the offense and um, yeah. had a pretty good roster and, uh, and went 12-0. and, I, went 12 and 0. You know who should be on that? I know it's crazy in terms of offensive coordinator. I know it sounds crazy. I would think about Brendan Marion. Ooh, UNLV. Hell yeah. first, his first year there, they're leading the country in rushing touchdowns. That'd Everywhere he goes, he's young, and they can run the rock. I'm just throwing it out there just to interview the guy. No, I think that's Because he, he would definitely see that as an upgrade. He's getting interviewed for the U of H head coaching job. He would definitely consider A&M OC spot a, an upgrade over the UNLV OC spot. Yeah, Brendan Marion, of course, one year the receivers coach here, now calling plays. And he came from Texas, you know. He, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he was at Pittsburgh before that. He's a fast riser. That would be a great one. Now yeah. he's going to try to get a head coaching job. That's I true. Think. You ain't going to have him for long. That would be the concern is that he only's there for a year or two. Yeah. yeah. But uh, hopefully that's what you want. He's there for a year or two. Your offense is so damn good and so attractive. Everybody's got, I want that offense. I need that offense. I want, I'll take, I'll hire him as my head coach as long as he can bring that offense with him. That's what you ideally want, right? That yeah, is. Especially if you're going to run a hard nosed defense like Mike Elko yeah. would. Uh, all right. That will be interesting to follow, but it is official now. A&M has uh, you know, hired Mike Elko. Uh, also, Jimbo uh, Medina Holgerson is out at Houston, not surprising, after a four and eight year. Um, and Jeff Trailer and Gary Patterson, the names you're hearing most prominently. Ooh, I like that. You would also put Tulane's Willie Fritz in the conversation. Can't go wrong, eight. He's done a great job. Great job at Tulane. Uh, but it feels like a Jeff Trailer move. Um, so, you know, the, the, uh, you know, but Gary Patterson, I mean, he built a hell of a program at TCU. And oh, yeah. He's, he's probably a better coach than Jeff Trey, no question. And I think all I love about Gary Patterson is he's done it 
with different quarterbacks throughout the years, different variations of that TCU team, right? They were throwing it. Sometimes they were running the football. So I know he can win in a lot of different ways as a coach, and I know he can do more with less. I know he can develop talent. The only the only thing that I, I don't know, I would disagree with the Gary Patterson hire is I think you need somebody younger, just and somebody not, not so younger, but somebody who's willing to be out front and willing to be the face of that program. You know, at U of H, they, they need to be trendy. They need to go viral. Remember the, the, the Love Your Blue uniforms? It sounds kind of weird and stupid, but you need stuff like that to keep your program relevant. And I think Jeff Trey will be willing to go to Rockets games and sit on the, the floor yeah, seats. Yeah, pro sports town. Yeah, and go to Astros games and, say, you know, and hang yeah. out with Paul and guys like that. I don't know if Gary Patterson wants to do I think Gary Patterson wants to coach ball. I don't think he wants to go do the extracurricular stuff like Jeff Trailer would love to do. And he's a natural at it. Well, here's what I would also say to that. My only argument against Jeff Trailer, and you know me, I love, uh, love Coach Trailer. You can coach some ball. But Houston right now is seen as a stepping stone job. It is. Uh, this would be Gary Patterson's last job. That's true. So if you're, if you're Tillman Fertitta and you're saying, look, you, you know, you're in your young, young, lower 60s, you can be our coach for the next 10 years, and you're not leaving. Like, That's true. Gary Patterson will come in and stay there. Jeff Trailer, if he comes in and wins quick – you know, he's off uh, to the next big thing, that's I would argue. So. That's and that's been a challenge for that program because they had, you know, Kevin Sumlin and they had Art Bryles and they had Tom Herman. And mm-hmm. they, these coaches, when, the minute they succeed, they're gone. Yes. Now, it might change a little bit if, to be in the Big 12 and to be in the Power 5. But, you know, if you're, if you're Jeff Trailer at his age and you, he would hit this thing at Houston like I think he would. That's fair. You're off to the next place. Yeah. yeah you like Gary Patterson would, would set roots and that'd be his, that he would stay there. That's a great point. You're right about that. I guess they got to decide, you know, what type of coach they'd want because you're right. Jeff Trailer, he's a fast riser too. My concern with Jeff Trailer is he hasn't been a coach without Frank Harris. That's my biggest issue with him is that I would love to see Six one season. Yeah, I want to see one season of him coaching without Frank Harris because I've seen a couple of games without Frank Harris starting, and they don't look good. <laughs> they look like a different team. And we know in that locker room at times when you've got a veteran quarterback that's been around that long, they really can do a lot of the hard work for you. A lot of they the run the locker room. They run the locker room, man. They're the leader. So I, that's my only, I think Jeff Trey is a hell of a coach. That's my only concern with Jeff Trey. That will be, and the one you just brought up, which I think is a, a, an astute observation that he's probably going to be gone in four or five years if all goes right, if all goes well. Yeah. He's going to be gone. And that's a cycle Houston would like to get out of, uh, hiring yeah. you know, the stepping stone. Uh, we'll, see. we'll see where that goes. Uh, Dave Aranda not fired at Baylor. They're going to retain him, but Jeff Grimes is out, the offensive coordinator. How many coordinators has he had now uh, in, a his lot. Th- in his four years? Well, the word is, you know, they, they just gave him an extension after he won the uh, – he changed the Big 12 OCs. championship. So he changed OCs and DCs already once. And, and he's going to take over the defense. That's part you know of how the that de- goes. That's yes. like Ron Rivera taking over that. No, I think this defense. is the. Calm, I mean, if he doesn't get it right, and they're going to hire a, a mm. you know explosive offense. I mean, think of you know potentially Brandon Marion type player at Baylor. They want someone to to take their offense to a different level. Yeah. And Dave Aranda is going to run it. And they're they've admitted that they need to invest in NIL more. Dave Aranda has been anti NIL. Mm. And it's falling behind. And the portal opens next Monday. You might be too far behind at portal, this point. Portal opens Monday of yeah. next week. Right I, after. I was a little surprised they kept Dave Aranda. I like Dave Aranda, but I'm a little surprised considering the regression and, oh, how, yeah. and how drastic the regression has been since he won a Big 12 title with Matt Rule's, Matt Rule's team. Matt Rule's so I, I don't know why they would unless they're thinking there's another – coaching carousel cycle, and maybe we want G.J. Kenny in the future, and he needs one more year. So we'll, we'll talk to G.J. Hey, so G.J., could you stay there for one more year, and then as soon as we get rid of Dave next year, we're going to hire you. You're going to be our first guy. Well said. Right? Because G.J., there's no argument to be made. He, he had the best job, the first year coaching job in the country. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, J- you can make that argument because they had the best offensive turnaround in the country. Scoring 20 more points per game than they were last year. It's the best offensive turnaround, and you could argue – what are they, seven and five? Seven and five, bowling. You could argue he had the best first year of any FBS first year coach. Well, let's not forget. Baylor called for sure, but that would be next year. Uh, if Jeff Trailer gets the Houston job, UTSA is open. Their first um, choice is going to be G.J. Kenny. You're right. I didn't think about it. You're right. That's yeah. a good point. Because, uh, right. you know, protege, same offense, you know, yep. same dynamic. Yeah, why would Baylor wait around? That's what I'm wondering. Why the hell did you wait? <laughs> I know. What are you waiting on? Hey, we come back. When we do, Rod takes us behind the BOC. Longhorns 57, Texas Tech 7 on senior night. We'll continue to uh, get you the behind the scenes and behind the curtain of a, anatomy of a beatdown and a bludgeoning on Friday night. Coming back. Hook him up. <laughs> Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Oh, man, what a uh, Monday. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Feasting on the food, which is what you feast on, but you also got to feast on football. Uh, and I got to tell you, man, that, that run on Saturday afternoon when the Longhorn game was in the books and Longhorns have won. They're on their way to the Big 12 title, so you got to celebrate that on Friday. Cowboys game in the books. But if you're a college football fan like most of you are, and certainly you and I are, Rod, that's Saturday afternoon. After the, Ohio, the Michigan-Ohio State game was good. I mean, it was a slobber knocker. Yep. It's what you wanted out of two versus three. Mm-hmm. Um, controversial. There were some really close calls. And, um, you know, in the end, Michigan just too powerful. And they win it 30-24, to 24, and they'll, you know, play Iowa for the Big Ten championship. Uh, but, man, then it was just – because, yeah, I don't know, I, I, I wasn't expecting much out of the Iron Bowl, but it turned into a hell of a ball game. It turned into a great game. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Uh, and, Rod, okay, so they rushed three, they dropped a spy, and then they were playing like they, – they doubled the, the – the, the, uh, essentially they double-covered the inside receivers, and they left the perimeter two guys, including the, the guy Bond, Isaiah Bond, who caught the game winner. He was in single coverage. Made no sense. That's crazy. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. What you doing? Ah, that's bad. I mean, you know, you, you can only send five into the route, right? And the quarterback is six. So you got to at least have eight people in the end zone. You think? Eight people in the end zone. Eight people. Yeah. And then maybe a spy who's near the end zone but then can run up and tackle Jalen Milrow if he takes off. Because he's got to get to the end zone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it, was, it was unbelievable. I, I mean, you're like – because Alabama was going to lose this game. The they game was over. <laughs> it was, it was over. Losing. Auburn was going to win the Iron Bowl. Remember we played, it was 10 years ago, we played the, the kick six. Remember the uh, yep. 2013 with the kick, the, when Nick Saban went for the field goal and it got returned for a touchdown and that was the, in, you know, they won the Iron Bowl. This was equal to that as far as ridiculousness. Like, what? Come on. You freeze? <laughs> Seriously. That can't happen. That can't happen. I mean, I, 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 you know, you know that rivalry, Rod. That's a problem. Yeah. To no. lose that game that way well, we, in your first one? Well, you talked about how Ryan Day right now is dealing with a lot of pressure just because he's, he's killing it, but he can't beat his rival. <clears throat> yeah, I remember Mac Brown felt that pressure too. If you can't beat your rival, I can guarantee you that you're, you're on the hot seat. And no matter how good your record is, yeah. your fans are going to tire of you if you can't beat your rival. Mm-hmm. And Mac Brown had to deal with that early 2000s, and Ryan Day's dealing with it right now. You can be good. Double-digit yeah, yeah. win seasons. And you know who's killing him on uh, – 
on mm. Twitter or on X is Maurice Claret. Oh, I used to be a team. My former teammate. Mo Claret is like yeah. wearing out Ryan Day. Oh, you come man. here to and look. He's from Youngstown. He grew up in it. it, it yeah, it's true. It's personal. It's personal for him, man. Real, Real personal. I mean, I, most people nationally would look at that and say, well, "Come on, you're firing Ryan Day. He's forty and zero against everybody that's not Michigan." But you know, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And guess who's sitting on the Fox set is Urban Meyer, who used to own Michigan, had ownership of that team. Owned it. Owned him. Basically, like called him they, his daddy. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I'm with you. I, I think it's important. That's why I think your but, story but, about Ryan Day and A&M was interesting. Well, I think that there's a, you know, in the state of Ohio, it's understandable. Which anywhere else is like, he's a great coach. Why are you firing a great coach? Because he can't be Michigan. Can't be Michigan, man. Now, what that's, they're hoping, I think, that's why they're keeping him, is that Jim Harbaugh is bound for the NFL. And then you don't have to beat Jim Harbaugh. I think he is bound for the NFL. And, yeah, he'll take one of these NFL games because he will be back on the sidelines, Jim Harbaugh, having served his three-game suspension. He'll be back for the uh, – um, by the way, you got a, you got a backup coach essentially, right, the, mm-hmm. who's calling the plays. And he was more aggressive than you were, Ryan Day. Come on, man. Come on, man. I, I'm with you. I don't know what's that's, – that's wild. I just don't understand how in that game, Ryan Day, with all the talent they have, they can't win their fair share. That, that same issue Longhorn fans were saying about Mac Brown against Bob Stoops. Well, and in the end, I mean, Ryan Day's going to think Kyle McCord, the young quarterback, threw a, a bad interception early that led to a touchdown and, of course, threw an interception to end the game uh, for Michigan. But also, let's talk about the run of the afternoon. Alabama-Auburn was amazing in the finish. Oklahoma State-BYU, crazy overtime for Oklahoma State to clinch their spot. That game was, was off the chain. Washington-Washington State was a great football game. Florida State-Florida. These were just in succession run. Yeah. It was like, man – uh, this is this is undefeated. This whole rivalry Saturday. Thing. Hey, uh, but the Longhorns took care of their business on Friday, and with more on that game, let's go behind the burn orange curtain. And they were all asking themselves the same question: What is behind that curtain? All right, let's talk about the uh, Texas defense and how well they played uh, last night. Yeah, sorry, this past weekend, last game versus Texas Tech. The only thing I noticed about the defense was how aggressive they were defensively. I'll give PK a lot of credits. I think PK has uh, changed up his defense philosophy. He's actually calling games more aggressively, situationally, especially on third down. <clears throat> I noticed Texas on third down, they're blitzing more. They're bringing more pressure on third down. And also something else I noticed is that the defensive backs – are playing more press coverage on the boundary side, which they do all the time with Ryan Watts, um, but also not on the field side. This is something that Sark has uh, hinted and implied that he wants to do more of, be aggressive on both sides of the field with their corners playing a lot of press man. And they did this probably as much as I've seen them do it in any game this season, probably in any, any game since PK has been the defensive coordinator where they had both corners playing press, about over 30% of the the passing snaps, I noticed Texas playing their corners, both of them, wide field and short side, boundary and field, playing press man. And this is a little bit of a change. And I, I don't I don't know if they did it because Ryan Watts went down. Remember, Ryan Watts goes down early in that game. He goes down early, and then they bring in Malik Muhammad. And when they bring in Malik Muhammad, I don't know if it's the young bucks who just are more comfortable playing bump and run. I'm not sure if it's at this point in the season. Coaches are confident that the technique – Right, the technique of the uh, the players is getting better and improving. So now they trust that they'll play with better fundamentals. So now they can play more press man late in the season. Could have been that they just don't they don't fear Texas Tech wide receivers. Texas Tech wide receivers, 
may, you know, may not have been twitchy or quick or explosive enough to scare Texas into giving them some cushion. So maybe that's why. And also, it could be Texas wanted to force, uh, and uh, sorry, force Texas Tech to hold on to the ball a little bit more so that their pass rush get home. So they obviously didn't have much uh, confidence, if you will, in that offensive line, and they felt real good about their chances to be able to get to Baron Morton. So I'm not sure exactly what the reason was. I do know that they can do it against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's wide receivers aren't that impressive. They're not twitchy. They're not fast. They're not explosive. They got one guy, Presley, in the slot who is in that twitchy realm. He's a really fast guy, quick as he is fast, um, and he could be a problem, a matchup issue for Texas, but you can bracket him since he plays in the slot a lot. You can bracket that guy and and you can trust your corners on the outside to play some press man and forcing uh, the quarterback uh, to hold on to the ball just a little bit longer and maybe your pass rush can get home. It also helped them, I think, in their rush defense because I think having the corners come up and play aggressively, they were able to play with single high looks, put the extra safety down in the box, and really focus on trying to take away uh, Taj Brooks' running lanes. So I, I, I don't know if they're going to continue to do it. I think they can do it versus Oklahoma State. Um, but I think this is a starting point for Texas. I think going forward, they would like both of their corners, field and boundary, to play more press man. I went and looked at the um, the attempts against Texas's defense when both corners were playing press man. You're talking about a little over an 18% forced incompletion rate. Got one PBU, got one interception. You have as many forced incompletions in terms of your completion rate, I should say. You have as, uh, a completion rate as high as the completion percentage. You have a forced incompletion rate as high as the completion percentage in this game. It's a little over 18%, uh, which is really good. You, you didn't even allow five yards <laughs> all right, of receiving yards when you had both your corners playing press man. So it, it, whichever way you want to look at it, there was a Dre McCray drop, but that was actually against Jaday Barron. Both of the corners were playing press. Jaday Barron was in the nickel, and that was that Dre McCray drop on that deep over route. You guys remember? It was a, probably the best throw from Barron Morton all night. Um, that he drops it. So there was a drop there, but – in terms of the corners being targeted when both of them are impressed, man, there was very little success, if any, going up against those corners. So maybe this is something you'll see going forward. There was no no concern about inside breaking routes because they were playing press. There was no concern about targets to bunch formation because they were up playing press, and they took away the quick game. They took away the easy throws for Barry Morton, which is why he averaged 2.4 yards per attempt because every throw had to be a hard throw, had to be a tough throw with sticky, icky, icky coverage. I hope that is uh, what Texas is going to do going forward. They do have the talent to do it. Terrence Brooks, he's a footwork, he's a footwork uh, kind of technician, if you will. His dad was a footwork coach. Um, also, his dad played in the NFL. Dad played for the Aggies. So he's an old soul. He's got great technique, very little wasted movement or wasted footwork. I worry a little bit more about Malik Muhammad because he's a ball hawk. Nothing wrong with that. But he's a high-risk, high-reward player right now. As he gets more reps, he'll become a low-risk, high-reward player. But even look at his interception in that game. He's ball hawking. He's staring at the ball, which is good. You need those guys who are ball-oriented players. But keep in mind, the receiver went right by him because <laughs> he was staring at the quarterback at the ball. He even tracks the ball instead of, tra instead of reacquiring the receiver and gets the interception. That just shows you how talented he is. But, like I said, with ball-oriented guys, they're going to get beat every now and then because their eyes play tricks on them. But they're also going to make as many plays, if not more, than they give up. And you need guys like Manny Muhammad out there. That's why Terrence Brooks' interception was what? Technician. He was so sticky on the, uh, the receiver that as soon as the receiver turned around, he was right there in his hip pocket, turned around, got the pick. But Manny Muhammad, what was his interception? Ball hawking. 
He didn't even look at the damn red receiver. I don't know if he saw him once on the play. <laughs> He's staring at the ball the whole time. We can correct that, like Trevon Diggs with the Cowboys. We can lower the risk factor and keep the high reward factor, but that's how these, these two corners are very different in the way they operate. But I still love the fact that both of them can be successful, effective press corners, and you saw that this past weekend. Yeah, uh, I think it's a like, Longhorn fans were, were waiting to see that. Like, hey, get up on him. Get, get up, up on him. him. Get up on him. Uh, yep. And, of course, Manny Muhammad, big time with the injury to Ryan Watts. We'll get an update from Sark on those injuries. Cedric Baxter, uh, obviously the Xavier Worthy situation. Uh, you know, we, We'll get that coming up with the uh, Sark news conference at 11 o'clock or just after. Also, Ryan Watts. Didn't sound like any of them were too serious after the game. Ryan Watts was dealing with a kind of a, next, a back stinger uh, on that first play. X-Man, I think kind of leg contusion kind of thing is what they're talking about. And then uh, we'll see with C.J. Baxter. Sark did say with, the, with, with Baxter, it was a hip pointer, got hit in his hip uh, by a helmet or a shoulder pad. Could have gone back in. Coach's decision. Yep, I can see that. He decided to stand him next to him and let Jaden Blue go crazy. Uh, also, oh, yeah, he went crazy. Also good to see uh, – I like Savion Red as just a running back. Right? We've seen him in the Red Cat so much. He looked good, powerful. Yeah. Uh, he runs angry, Rod. And he's mad at the grass. He mad. He is he's angry. mad at the grass, man. Like that a lot. So Longhorns uh, uh, got got to play a lot of guys. That's a lot of a lot of check boxes for that game. For your seniors, uh, your special teams played great. A lot of young guys got to play, including Arch Manning. So a lot of wins in that game for Longhorns. Now they need one more to secure a Big 12 championship. Coming back, we'll hit some what's popping, including a Monday night football game that. After all the football we just seen, I don't know if I'm going to watch this game tonight. Uh, <laughs> no interest. Uh, but also what's popping, we'll get you something uh, we, you know, with, with the portal opening next Monday, Rod, in addition to winning a Big 12 title and sitting back and seeing what happens with the 14 playoff. Recruiting season heats up. Oh, yeah. We've got a reminder for people out there on what's popping about uh, – because you got to recruit high school players, you got to recruit potential mm-hmm. portal players, but also recruiting your own players, Rod. We'll get you details on that coming back on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rodby. What's poppin'? Who you Brand new whip just hopped in. I got options. I can pass it like Stockton. Just joshing. I'm spending this holiday locked in. Good stuff on the text line. I always appreciate your conversations. It says, uh, don't forget Trey Wisner. He's the real deal. How about that? We were uh, we were on the live stream, Rod, of the uh, the watch along, mm-hmm. and uh, Trey Wisner's dad checks in on the on Texas nice. football YouTube, and he said that's a nice. He got to see his son score a touchdown. That was cool. Hey, he was doing. He was a beast covering kicks, though. Yeah, he I was. Had, like three tackles covering kicks in that game. Well, that's what you love about a guy like that. You can tell Man. he's a football player, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. I, I remember vividly when Michael Griffin came to Texas from Bowie High School. And he was just demolishing people on special teams. You just oh, knew man. he's going to be a player. Corey Redden was doing that when I was coming out. He was, imagine that dude running down on kickoffs, sprinting. It yeah. was a sight to see. Yeah, man. It's like National Geographic out there. <laughs> it says, uh, um, who would want to go to Baylor as an OC or DC knowing it might be a one-year gig? Well, exactly. That's kind of true. That's why he's got to go. I think he's got to hire like a, a young up-and-comer, like somebody who's willing to take that gig. Like, I'll, take, I'll take any gig. Yeah, Shippensburg. Give me gig. Yeah, go find <laughs> like one. Mike Gundy. Go find one of them, man. Seriously. Wow. It says uh, on, the, on the Jimbo Fisher thing, this guy said, and what's popping? says, uh, by the way, this guy says, Houston is a lateral move for Willie Fritz or Jeff Trailer. Well, you know, they're not in the Power Five. I mean, uh, Big 12 is now in the Power Five, Power Four, uh, which is a good thing, right? I mean, uh, that's where you want to be. Right. UTSA and Tulane are not in the Power Four. Uh, also, somebody said, I was told that Texas A&M, the plane actually landed in College Station. Ooh. Which we we mentioned earlier, that's actually being reported. That not only did he get on the plane, he flew all the way to College Station, landed. That's crazy. And then was told to turn back. Wow. That's a. And the, here 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 where the this is not popping rod, this is a a fuster cluck as you call it. Yes, it is, man. 
Because now there's talk that Ross Bjork is going to potentially lose his job for this, for yeah, the mishandling of it. Which well, because not, we, it's, now, it's, it's obvious you are not in touch. Your job is to be in touch. <laughs> is to be in touch with the decision makers and the board and everything. And now you, with this decision, you've basically told us you are not in touch with but it. But here's the problem for that is if you know, I agree with that Texas now has the BBs back in the box and A&M doesn't, mm-hmm. well, now you're going to bring in an AD that didn't hire this coach. That's always a problem. Uh, yeah, you're right. I want my guy. <laughs> yeah. You ain't my guy. That's always one of bad. my guys. Yeah, you're right. It is. Uh, I'm with you. I'd so if you fire Ross Bjork, who's yeah. done a pretty good job hiring other coaches and running the athletic department in general, if, he's, if, this, if this is a fireable offense, well, now you're bringing in, a, in someone else who Mike Elko's not his guy. Yeah, and that sets a, up a problem. That's going to be a huge problem. Yeah. That's going to be a big one. So man. we'll keep an eye on that down there. That is not popping. Uh, but, you know, I think Mike Elko is a solid hire. Uh, knows the program, really good defensive mind, good for culture, which is what they need there. They also, Pop and Rod, you know we have so much going on uh, this week with the championship game. We're going to get you details, by the way. We will have live coverage from Arlington. Uh, we'll get you all the details on where we'll be and when. Uh, we're going to be partnering with our friends at Inside Texas on some of that as well, Rod. That's right. Like we did for the Texas OU game. Uh, I'll get with the uh, Dallas area Texas X's as well, and we'll do some stuff with them. So we'll let you know. Uh, listen to hook them up as we firm things up. They're happening quick, but uh, you'll be, we'll be up there on Saturday, Friday as well. Love it. But, Rod, the, um, so you got the, the game on Saturday morning. Then you sit back and watch the rest of the games and figure out, okay, can the Longhorns find their way into the college football playoff? Florida State loss would help a lot. If you don't, then you'll get up on Sunday morning and you'll watch the Final Four revealed, and then the bowls will be announced, and the Longhorns will know if they're going to the Cotton Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl or somewhere mm-hmm. else, or they're going to the Sugar Bowl or the Rose Bowl to play as the semifinal team in the college football playoff. That'll all be revealed before NFL Sunday kicks off on Sunday. Then Monday, Rod, the transfer portal opens. Oh, okay. Transfer portal yeah, that's Oh, man, that's going to be drama right there. And this gets interesting, and here's, you know, we know it's from that point on, on this coming, when, you know, Wednesday will be essentially a month to the early signing period. Mm-hmm. Actually, is it a month or three weeks? Because it's, it's December the 20th is when that window opens for your class of 2024 to, to you know, sign on the dotted line, essentially, and send their faxes. Uh, that's a Wednesday the 20th. So between the, the portal opening on the 4th and the 20th, the coaches are going to be doing so much. This is it's what the coaches hate. Yeah, you're you're going to be preparing for a bowl game, mm-hmm. recruiting your high school class, and, and you know, finalizing that. Yep. You're going to be, you know, in the portal looking for for players to acquire to but, upgrade your roster. But then you have to keep your roster. You got to re-recruit because you know yeah. Sark was was asked about it last week and he said, you know, we I really hope these guys are enjoying this run and being a part of this team mm-hmm. and how special it's been. But he understands there are guys who are down the depth chart on this team that can and they're bringing another whole crop of freshmen, um, you know, twenty twenty two twenty three players that you know, a guy like Isaiah Nair, what's he going to do, right? Uh, the the but you remember this, and a lot of people have asked this about uh, on the text line. Um, you know, Alfred Collins walked for senior day, right? We had, you had Xavier Worthy out there. Remember this, J- Jordan Whittington and Tavondre Sweat went through the senior day celebration last year and came back. Remember that. Okay. Jordan Whittington walked, right? He celebrated with his family, and Sark was clear that, look, if you don't know, do it because you deserve that experience, right? Mm-hmm. There's a chance you won't come back. Yeah. But so, if you're, so if you don't know – do the deal, right? And that's where an Alfred Collins comes in. Uh, Alfred Collins went through the ceremony, but he very well could be talked back. Yeah. And this is where you go to work on that. Mm-hmm. Because now you have Tavondre Sweat. Two years ago, you had more Ojimo and Keandre Coburn who you're able to cite as, man, these guys got so much better and now they're in the NFL. Yeah. Sweat and Whittington, same thing. They've improved their draft stock by coming back. Alfred Collins is a guy who's going to go to the Senior Bowl, but could come back. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. 
Yeah, it's if a good point. If the grade's not where it should be. And th- think about all the duties you have as a coach now, Ronnie. You've got to recruit your own roster, hats, high schools. You see why a lot of guys are like, I'll just stay in the NFL. Like, it's a lot. Think well, about, that's, why they, that's why they have built front offices, too. That's must, why they have all these, these, these it staff It is, but it's still you got to show up to the kid's house. Yeah, you, you do. Can't, you, can't just, yeah, you can't just mail it in, like, I'm going to text and Zoom. You're like, no, you need to be on mama's couch, all right? And sometimes you got to be on mama's couch in Florida and other mama's couch in California. Oh, yeah. Right? And it's like, you see why guys like Shannon are like, no, nah, I'm good. I'll take the NFL. <laughs> I'll gotta, just sit in the film room for five straight hours instead of flying across the country, and I'll just watch film. It's yeah. about ball. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, as soon as the portal opens, oh. the, all your, your whole roster will be contacted. That's everybody. That's everybody. Tampering, uh, tampering oh. is against the rules, but it is the, rule, it is the law of the land. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. if you ain't tampering, argument is you're not doing your job. Well, and like, and like, <laughs> so the receiver and guy, Evan Stewart, right? Mm-hmm. Five-star kid from the Metroplex who's already yep. friends with a lot of players on this Texas team. Oh, yeah, man. He didn't even travel to the LSU game. He's already oh. in the portal. That's crazy. Because when, when your coach gets fired, you're in the portal immediately. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to wait until December the rules, 4th. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to think that uh, you know the Longhorns will be making a full court press, and even players in their own locker room, the Quinn Ewers of the world, are going to be putting a press on on yeah. Evan Stewart. Yeah, Quinn's like, hey man, I might come back if you come here. I'll definitely come back. Yeah. I mean, I need, <laughs> well, and I'm losing X Man and AD Mitchell and JT Sanders are all probably going to be off LSU, the NFL. LSU's recruiting them real hard too. Hard too. Well, Ohio State, mm-hmm. Alabama. Oh yeah. I mean, Brian Day is saying the same thing. Look, Marvin Harrison's about to go to the pros, guy. I, we, you know, we do a pretty good job re- developing offensive wide receivers here. No, you're right. All right, that's popping. Be an eye on that. That's, that's all coming this weekend. Games. And, and remember the Friday game, the, the, the Pac-12 championship, one of the most important games, Oregon-Washington, is Friday night. Yeah, and speaking of the transfer report, you know, another big story developing, Jeff Levy's gone, right? Jeff Levy's going to be the oh. new head coach at Mississippi State. Yeah. That system in Dylan Gabriel, as we talked about, it, it, they go hand in hand. Dylan Gabriel's been running that same beer and shoot system since he got to college. And I wonder if they're going to hire an OC or bring up an OC that's running the same system. If not, and I wonder if Dylan Gabriel will follow the system. Does he have eligibility left, Dylan Gabriel? I have no idea he does. <laughs> I don't know. I think he's, he's coming. like six years. So, well, well I know Harris, Cam Rising's coming Cam back Rising's for his seventh coming back. year. Nobody can keep up with it. So I, that, that's going to be interesting in Oklahoma because that system, that beer and shoot system, that's what they've been running. That's what Dylan Gabriel's most comfortable with. Jackson Arnold, the backup, that's what he runs too. So I wonder if they're going to still stick with the beer and shoot or if they're going to risk losing both of their quarterbacks to go to beer and shoot systems while they bring in somebody else. That's scary for Oklahoma. All right, what's popping? Uh, tonight, Monday Night Football not popping. Bears, Vikings. Yeah. We begged for them to flex that Houston-Jacksonville game to Monday Night. They didn't listen to us. Why would they put that out there, Bears, Vikings? Because the Vikings uh, are still in it? Joshua Dobbs against Justin Fields. That's your Monday Night Football we don't, game. We don't want to see this. We don't want to see do. backup quarterbacks. Like, nobody wants to see two backup quarterbacks going and at can it. Can you they imagine how, how compelling the uh, Trevor Lawrence – C.J. Stroud duel was yesterday at noon. It'd be yeah. a heck of a game to be getting ready for. Oh, tonight. that's awesome! But this one, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Ty, what do you have for a what's popping pick of the night? Do you have something in pro basketball or the NFL or college hoops? What are we going with? Uh, I'm going to say put your Texas national championship bets in now. Plus nine hundred. Get them in today. You're going full homer. It's full homer. Mm-hmm. Texas national champions. So if they have to first qualify for the Final Four to even mm-hmm. be considered for then that. Then they got to beat the best teams in the Which is by country. no means a guarantee at this point, even if they win. If you want the value, get them in now. That's all I'm saying. Get them That's in true. now. Now, th- that is good value, though. I agree with that. Is that before or after you make your Cowboys win the Super Bowl bedtime? That's mm-hmm. I am not going to do. Ever. Don't do it. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. Never, ever. I've given up. Can you imagine what the uh, – but the Rangers, you could have gotten for some futures bets to win the World Series. I had a buddy that won eighteen grand. He was telling me this weekend, place in May. Eight. 
Oh, man, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, buddy. Uh, and by the way, Jack Harlow plays that song, What's Poppin'? His performance at the halftime of the Lions-Packers game on Thanksgiving was not good. No, not good at all. Dolly Parton, better. <laughs> Dolly Parton, better. Not for everybody, but better than Jack Harlow. Nice. And how about her squeezing into that cheerleader outfit? That was pretty cool. Uh, was so it, I do say was squeezing. it pretty cool? <laughs> she looks great. I know all the, all the ladies who were watching here were very impressed. Well, because she's 77. But they don't have the money to have all these surgeries that she did. So, ladies, you ain't going to look like that at 77. Hate she to was, break it to you. She was popping. She was popping. Hey, Rod, have a great Monday, brother. We'll you do this too, on brother. a Tuesday. We'll get you more details on our plan for the weekend in Arlington and uh, uh, here on the Horn. Uh, we'll have that for you. Join us 6 a.m. tomorrow for five more hours of great sports conversation on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod Bates.